Let's open our Bibles together this morning to the book of John, chapter 15. If you would, John chapter 15. For those who were not here with us last week, I have chosen for our theme for this new year, Abiding in Christ, based on the book of John, chapter 15, particularly verse number 5, where Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Last week we looked at John 15 and verse 1, where Jesus stated, I am the true vine, and my father is the husband. Today we're going to look in detail at the second verse in this passage, John 15, verse 2. Jesus said there, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, help us as we examine your word today. If we would let it examine us. Show us what we need to be willing to let go of in our life, Lord. Work in our hearts. We would submit to your pruning. Knowing that you are always working for our best good and your ultimate glory. Thank you for being the all-wise husbandman of the vineyard. And that we can trust you, especially when we don't understand. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now every good farmer or gardener knows that to get the maximum yield from plants, you have to weed and you have to prune. Now, we are gardeners at our home, and I've always joked that the best way to get a very nice stand of grass is to plant a garden. I don't understand why my garden will be filled with beautiful grass while my yard dies. I don't know. Weeds are a constant problem. A field, a garden, an orchard, or a vineyard, if it's left to itself, it's going to go wild. And it's going to suffer. And that is especially true for some plants like vines, grapevines. They require regular pruning in order to thrive. The dead wood has to be cut away. The fruitless branches has to be cut off. Because without pruning, the fruitless branches would take away water and nutrients that the fruitful branches need. And the dead wood would invite... Uh, disease and rot that could infect an otherwise healthy plant. Now Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the husband. He said, ye are the branches in verse number five. As an all-wise farmer, God the Father employs the same techniques that earthly farmers use in tending to the spiritual vineyard. God's will for my life and for your life is for us to be more and more fruitful. 
so to accomplish that, providential pruning is necessary. Now I think it is very significant that after identifying himself as the vine and the father as the husbandman, Jesus immediately begins to talk about the pruning process. It's, it's, it's almost as if he wants to make very clear to his disciples that as branches, one of the top things we should expect to happen is to experience regular pruning. Now God's pruning, pruning comes in two forms. Look again at verse number two. He says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So when God prunes, first of all, the fruitless parts are taken away. Then secondly, the fruitful parts are trimmed so that they will become more fruitful. Now pruning is somewhat uncomfortable, if you think about it. Cutting, trimming, amputating parts are violent processes, but they are necessary for the health of the vine. In the same way, God's work in our lives may sometimes be uncomfortable, but it's necessary and it's worth it to let God prune us so that we can live a more fruitful life. Notice with me, number one, our relationship to the vine. Jesus begins verse 2 by saying, every branch in me. So he's not talking about just any generic branches. He's talking about a specific kind of branch, a branch that has a very special relationship to him as the true vine. So to understand the pruning that takes place in our lives, we have to have a firm grasp on this vital relationship that every Christian has with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the true vine. And as we saw last week, the vine is the source of life for the branches. Without the vine, the branches cannot exist. And understand that without Jesus, neither would you. I mean that literally. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, you wouldn't be here. Everybody pause for a second. Look up here. And take one deep breath. Where did that breath come from? God. That very breath that you took was a gift from God. We are totally dependent on God. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we are totally dependent on Him. But there's a a further and a deeper meaning that Jesus is trying to draw us in to understand. And that is, is as followers of Christ, we have a special relationship with Him. And in our relationship with Christ, it is His life that flows through us to produce the kind of spiritual fruitfulness that God wants us to have in our lives. He is the only source of spiritual life. All other sources, supposed sources, are counterfeits. 
They're phonies. Only through Christ do we have any spiritual life. When Jesus says, every branch in me, in this verse, he's referring to those then who have been connected to him in that vital life-giving relationship. And he has given them spiritual life, eternal life. Well, that kind of begs the question, how does one become connected to the vine this way? How do we enter into this special relationship where we receive eternal life and the life of Christ flows through us? Well, keep your finger at John 15 and turn to Romans 11 for a moment. Here Paul uses a similar agricultural illustration to describe how Gentiles are made the people of God, even though they're not members of the nation of Israel, who were God's chosen people of the Old Testament. And he points out that the way for a branch to become connected to the life-giving plant is through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 11, look at verse 18. Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Now in this illustration, there are two kinds of branches that Paul's talking about, Jewish branches and Gentile branches. But the main part of the tree, the root here that gives life to both, is Jesus. Now look at verse 19. Wilt thou say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in? Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest, here it is, by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. How can a Gentile who is not a part of the Israelite nation, the Jewish nation, and not a, a uh, intended recipient of that initial promise given to them, how can they become a spiritual part of that and receive those, the blessings of those promises? Paul says it's by faith. It's by faith. And the way that we become connected to Christ is by faith. At the moment of salvation, when you choose to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sin, you are immediately connected to Him in a relationship that is, I use the word vital, because that indicates it is life-giving, and without it, you do not have life. So we talk about checking someone's vital signs, their pulse, and different things like that. Those are the indications of life. And your relationship to Christ is vital. Through it, you have life. And only through it do you have life. And so our relationship to Christ is one of total dependence. And this is a theme that will be recurring as we look at this idea of abiding in Christ. The theme of total dependence. You are completely dependent on Christ. Without Christ, you are nothing, and without Christ, you can do nothing. As my childhood pastor used to say, without Jesus, I'm a zero with the ring rubbed out. <clears throat> I'm nothing. You're nothing without Christ. That means that the fruitfulness in our lives is the result of Christ working in us. It's not the result of our self-righteous efforts. 
It is Christ living in and through us. He is the true vine, and we are but the branches that can only bear fruit because we are connected to him by faith. As Paul put it in Galatians 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As branches, we must acknowledge how dependent we are on Christ. We must live each day with a conscious understanding that without him, we can do nothing. We can attempt to live life independently of Christ, but the result will be fruitlessness and frustration. To use the language of Isaiah 37 and verse 31, we have to take root downward before we can bear fruit upward. That means consciously and intentionally depending on Christ by faith for all things, all times. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So to understand why and how and what of the pruning process, you have to understand the relationship to the life. Do you know Christ as your Savior today? Has there been a point in your life where you chose to trust Him, to place your faith in Him? Have you entered into that life-giving relationship? But let's notice, number two, the removal of the unfruitful branches. As we look at the details of the actual pruning process, there are two different parts of it that Jesus references in John 15 too. The first is the unfruitful branches being taken away. Now, every branch that is connected to Christ has spiritual life. The life of the vine has flowed into the branch, and that is eternal life. But sadly, not every branch allows that life to flow through it to the fullest. There are some branches, and in this illustration, that's you and me, who know Christ as our Savior, some branches never grow to maturity, and they never become fruitful. Of those branches, Jesus says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he, that is the Heavenly Father, the husbandman, taketh away. Now this is the first kind of pruning that the Heavenly Husbandman employs. He removes the unfruitful branches. Now let's consider, first of all, the lack of fruit and then secondly, we'll talk about the loss of fellowship that's indicated here. First of all, the lack of fruit. How and why is it that a branch that is connected to the vine would not bear fruit? I mean, that's just natural. That's what's supposed to happen. In nature, we see it all the time, that branches that are connected to the main stem of the plant will naturally, normally bear fruit. But it is not always the case. Sometimes there are branches that never, for whatever reason, bear any fruit. And the same is true spiritually. There are many Christians who have the life of Christ in them. They have eternal life. They are connected to the vine, but they never grow to maturity and they never become fruitful Christians. They allow themselves 
to be choked by earthly things, the desires of the flesh, the cares of this world, and so they never bring forth fruit. They are like the stony, or rather the thorny ground that Jesus spoke of in the illustration and the parable of the seed and the soils. He said in Mark 4.19, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. You see, we are branches with a will. We decide, we choose whether or not we're going to allow the life of the vine to flow through us unhindered or whether we are going to stop its flow, we're going to hinder its flow by choosing to live after the flesh. When we walk in the flesh instead of the spirit, we are hindering the flow of spiritual life through us. Galatians 5 in that passage that Paul is talking about later, the fruits of the Spirit that are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Before that, he has a long discussion about walking in the Spirit and not walking according to the flesh. Because when you walk according to the flesh, you will bear the fruit of the flesh, which is all kinds of horrible, evil things. But when we walk in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is evidenced in our lives. How is it that a branch could be fruitless? It's because we have a will. And we choose whether or not we will walk according to the Spirit, allowing the life of the vine to flow freely through us, or if we will walk according to the flesh, and thus hindering its flow, our growth and maturity, and ultimately our fruitfulness. But let's consider next the loss of fellowship that Jesus indicates here. Jesus says of the branches that do not bear fruit, he, the Father, will take them away. Now, this is not teaching that you can lose your salvation. There are some basic understandings we must keep when we approach any portion of Scripture. And the doctrine of eternal security is one of those that's very important. Because Jesus said that all that come to him, he gives them eternal life, they shall never perish. That's an absolute. So what does he mean when he says they're taken away? It's talking about a loss of fellowship. The result of fleshly living is a loss of fellowship with God. And it will cause you to dry up and wither spiritually. Look in Jeremiah 17. Turn that with me. Jeremiah 17. Look with me at verse number 5. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and, not, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, and a salt land, and not inhabited. What is the heath in the desert? It's a dried up withering plant. How many of you have ever seen a tumbleweed before? Okay. See him on the, the old western. You know, there it goes. See, a tumbleweed 
after a long period of drought, its roots will wither up and it will become disconnected from the earth. And the wind will just blow it. And I've seen pictures of, uh, you know, sometimes you have snow drifts up north. Oh, they have tumbleweed drifts out west. You know, they'll be piled up high against buildings and everything. What happened? The tumbleweed dried up. Now they say that if they stop somewhere and it rains again, they can reroot and they can continue growing. But you know, there are a lot of Christians that are living like a tumbleweed. They have dried up and they have withered and they are being blown about and carried about with every wind of doctrine because they did not maintain that vital relationship with Christ. They said, I'm going to do what I feel like doing. I'm going to do what sounds good to me. Oh, by the way, don't you dare judge me because I read that verse, judge not. And what they're not understanding is that by disconnecting, by unplugging from Christ and living according to the flesh, they're cutting themselves off from the flow of spiritual life. And inevitably, they will dry and they will wither, they will be fruitless, and they will be frustrated. In contrast, in Psalm 1, the Bible that says that the blessed man will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth in his, his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But see, the branch that says, no, I don't need the life of mine. I can do it myself. They've made a choice. They've decided that they're going to do it their way, not God's way. Listen, God is patient. He will work with us. He will chasten us. He will scourge us to try and get us back to the place where we ought to be so that we would depend on Him as we should. But there comes a point, and God reserves the right to do this. There comes a point where God may and God will say, okay, I'm giving you over. I have rebuked you, I have chastened you, I have scourged you, and you have not repented. I am giving you over to the consequences of your choices. And you're still a child of God. You're still loved of God. God's mercy hasn't changed. God's grace hasn't altered. But because you chose to walk in the flesh, God says, I'm going to let you experience the full consequence of your sinful choices. And until you repent, there will not be a restoration of fellowship. And the life of the vine is not going to flow through you unhindered as it should. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9.27, But I keep my body and brain under subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. What did he mean a castaway? The idea of a castaway there is, is something that is marred and therefore not useful. It's not good anymore. It's something that didn't pass the quality control. And so it had to be discarded. What Paul is saying is, is I don't want to mess my life up to the point that where God says I can't use you anymore. You are marred and your testimony is so solid. You are no longer useful to me like you have been. And you are set aside. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It doesn't mean that you can never ever do anything for God. But it means that you are no longer able to be used like you once were because of the choices you make. Every branch of me beareth not fruit, take it away. 
fruitless branch is still a branch, even if it's no longer useful. It's simply speaking of loss of fellowship and no longer abiding in Christ. So let it be a warning to you today. God reserves the right to turn you over to your rebellious ways and allow you to experience the consequence of your stubborn choices. He reserves the right to take your branch away and let you follow the path that you've chosen to spiritual dryness. Notice with me number three, the refinement of the fruitful branches. Jesus goes on in verse number three. He says, Every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Some branches are fruitless, but many do grow to maturity and bear good fruit. Well, how does the Father handle those branches? To our way of thinking, the best thing to do for a fruitful branch would be just to leave it alone, let it do its thing, right? It's, it's producing very well. Don't touch it. Don't mess it up. That's how we often think. But if you know anything about planting, farming, growing orchards, vineyards, anything like that, you understand you can't do that with a plant. You can't just leave it alone and expect it to continually bear good fruit, and certainly not to bear more and more good fruit. It requires intervention. And the same is true spiritually. As long as a branch lives, it will need regular pruning to maintain its health and fruitfulness. And the heavenly husbandman does the same with us. He works diligently to continually refine the fruitful branches. When we've begun to mature, when we've seen a measure of fruit in our lives, we're tempted to think, I, I, I've got this stuff down. I'm doing good. I've grown and, and I'm seeing God do things in my life and I must have figured it out. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. You know what often happens? God steps in and he does some pruning. See, the thing is, what we have done is often only enough to get us where we are. And to go any farther, we have to do something different. We have to do something more. We have to do something better. So to get us to that point, God does supreme. God steps in and he begins to trim, he begins to cut, he begins to remove some things. Now notice in the following verse, verse number three, we learn that the implement of this pruning or purging is the word of God. Jesus said, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The Bible is the sword that, that cuts, that pierces through the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And it's the Word of God that He uses to prune us. We'll look at that in greater detail, Lord willing, next week. But for now, you must understand this about the pruning process. It's not pleasant. It involves cutting, trimming, amputation. You might even be tempted to think that it is needlessly violent. But the skilled vine dresser knows what he's doing when he prunes the vine. Warren Wiersbe said it this way, Your heavenly Father is never nearer you than when He is pruning you. Pruning hurts, but it also helps. We may not enjoy it, but we need it. You look at someone who's going to go out and prune a plant, whether it's a tree or a vine. He doesn't stand back, usually, 
with a 20-foot pole and a knife on the end and just, you know, whack away at the tree. What does the, what does the farmer do? He gets up close to the tree. He gets right in there amongst the branches and he's looking around. He knows what he's looking for. Maybe there's some branches that have gotten too tangled preventing airflow and he needs to cut it away. Or maybe there's a branch over here that it, it looked like it was going to be a great branch this year, but it bore no fruit and so he cut it away. He knows what he's doing, but he's up close and he's personal and he doesn't make a single cut unless he knows it's absolutely necessary. Because he does not want to damage the plant. He wants to help it. So that the next year it can grow healthier and it can produce even more. But the pruning involves the removal of unnecessary and unhelpful things. And one thing we hate in life is have stuff taken away from us. It started when we were about, I don't know, three months old. That's my stuff. I was just I was uh, talking to Mrs. Jones this morning, asking how the new grandboy was doing holding. And I asked her if there was any jealousy yet between Hannah holding. She said, "No, Hannah loves him. He's he's her real life baby dog." You know? And I said, "Yeah, it was the same way between Lydia and Caleb until Caleb could move and touch Lydia's stuff. Then it was wow." We don't like to have our stuff taken away. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whether it's physical stuff, or whether it's other stuff, it's our stuff. But pruning involves removal. It's when God comes and says, this is no longer necessary, this is not helpful, I'm taking it away. Sometimes that really hurts. It's not a stretch to say we were really attached to that. There are things in our life that we've grown so accustomed to and, and so much of ourselves is wrapped up in that. And that's what we're talking about here. I mean, when the, when the, when the husbandman prunes, he's removing parts of the plant. We get so much of ourselves wrapped up in stuff in life and God comes along and says, nope, not that anymore. And he prunes it away and we're left thinking... Why in the world? But he knows what he's doing. Sometimes we think, I, I can't live without this. But you know what God knows? He knows not only can we live without it, but that we will thrive without it. God never takes something away from you just to see if you can handle it. He does not do that. God is not a mad scientist and you're not a lab rat. He's not running experiments on you. If God has taken something away from you, he knew not only could you live without it, but that you would live better without it. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that will always make sense in the moment. God, notice what the verse says. That it may bring forth, what? More fruit. More fruit. This is so counterintuitive to us. How can reduction equal gain? How do we get more by taking stuff away? It doesn't work mathematically. This isn't math. This is spiritual life. 
Sometimes pruning is necessary because of sin in our lives. When we choose to sin, we're hindering the life of Christ from being fully lived out in us. And so God, as a loving Heavenly Father, He will chasten us at those times. Even scourge us so that we might be restored to a right relationship and regain our fruitfulness. And that's a painful process, scourging and chastening, but it's worth it. Because Hebrews 12.11 says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Do you hear that? The peaceable fruit of righteousness. Sometimes the pruning is necessary, not because of sin, but just simple hindrances in our lives. Things that are not necessary and they're not helpful. They're holding us back from growing how we should and from being as fruitful as we could be. And so because those things are not helpful and they're hindering us from reaching the level of fruitfulness that God wants us to achieve, God will prune those away. So for the mature, fruitful Christian, we don't get to get to the point in our life where we say, okay, I'm good to go, smooth sailing from here on out. No, there will be a continual process of God gently but deliberately removing things from our lives that are unnecessary hindrances. The writer of Hebrews drew a similar comparison in Hebrews 12, in verse number 1, Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily becomes. He says, Why should we set aside every weight? Is it wrong? Is it sinful? Not necessarily, but it's holding you back. It, it's, it's keeping you from achieving peak performance. And so get rid of it. Let it go. Set it aside. Because there are some things that aren't wrong in and of themselves necessarily, but they're not blessed. For that reason, it is best that we remove them from our lives so they don't hinder us from further fruitfulness. It might be a habit. It might be a hobby. It might be a life goal. It might be a material possession. It might be an idea. Or a belief. Or a conclusion. That you've mistakenly come to. But whatever it is. If the father decides that you would be better off without it. Let the father do the thing. Can you imagine. Truly how it must have felt for Job. You're following the Bible reading schedule in the bulletin recently. Uh, we've been reading in Job then. And I was struck again the other day about, about how that just in a matter of mere moments, he learned that all his children were dead and most of his earthly wealth was gone. We're talking in a matter of minutes, not even hours. And the whole book is... Is, is the story of Job and his friends having this conversation trying to figure out why? Why did this happen? Soon after that, he would lose his health. Did Job enjoy the process? No. At no point in the book of Job will you read Job saying, hey, this is fun. No. He mourned. He grieved. He was sad. He was mad. 
He had the whole range of human emotions. He did not enjoy the process, but there was one truth that was his saving lifelike throughout the whole thing. He knew something. He knew that even if he didn't understand, he knew that God knew what he was doing. And that's why he can say in Job 23, verse 10, that he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job said, I have no idea what God's doing. I don't know why God is doing it. I wish he were here so I could talk to him. And I would ask him, God, what in the world are you doing? Later in the book, God will show up and say, Job, who do you think you are to ask me anything? But he said this. He knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Whatever God is doing, he is doing it for my good. Imagine if a grapevine could talk. For an entire spring and summer, the branches had worked hard to grow strong and healthy. Their leaves were large, its fruit was enormous, giant clusters everywhere. The fall came and there was a satisfying harvest followed by a time of rest in the cool months of winter. And then one day in the dead of winter, just when the vine was getting settled in for a good seat, farmer shows up. He's got a knife. He's got a saw. He's got some very violent-looking pruning shears. And all of a sudden, he approaches the grapevine. For a few moments, he studies it carefully, and then he pulls out one of those instruments of torture. He reaches up, snip, there goes a branch. Imagine all the other vines watching for what's happening down there. That was my friend Joe. He worked hard on that branch. Did you see what the farmer just did? He just cut it off. What is he doing? He's doing it again. Somebody stop him. He's going crazy. He's going to kill it. Snip. Saw. Cut. And when the farmer's done, that poor vine is just a skeleton of itself. And laying around it is all the rubble that used to be its healthy branches, so it thought. It thought it needed those branches as if it was going to have any fruit next year. It worked hard on those branches. It was attached to those branches. Can you imagine if grapevines could talk? You see, you and I are watching that process. We don't wonder what the grapevines are thinking. We wonder, wow, that guy knows what he's doing. Look how carefully he's trimming, only cutting the things that need to be cut away and choosing very carefully where he cuts on that plant. Not too far out, not too far in. There's an exact place. So we, we have the benefit of looking at it from the outside and not feeling any of it. And we say, wow, isn't it amazing that the farmer would take so much care of a plant? 
Let me tell you, your Heavenly Father loves you infinitely more than any earthly father, farmer could ever love plant. And yes, there's going to be times where he gets real close to you and starts doing some cutting, some pruning, some trimming, some amputating, and it is not going to be comfortable. But know this, he is doing it for a reason. So that you might bring forth more food. I have my father. Or I just want to say thank you for being so good and so wise. We often think we know what is best. You constantly remind us just how little we do know. Lord, it's my prayer that when you come to do the pruning in our lives, we would surrender to your providential pruning. And whatever it is that you need to take away, Lord, we'd be willing to say, okay, if that's what needs to happen, Thy will be done. Thank you that we can trust you. Never to cut too deep. Never to take away too much. To always be there. To make sure that we grow back strength. And I pray in Jesus' name.